When you have a lot of friends in their 30s, they will often call themselves old. I hear it all the time from multiple people. I'm here to say that old is a state of mind. You still fucking? You still giggling on the couch smoking weed? Can you parallel park with ease? Are you doing shots and then the next day doing squats? Are you still of a sound mind enough to plan a vacation or have an outdoor lunch with a friend on a whim? You enjoy concerts? Can you stretch, run, lift a weight? You don't have to push that narrative on yourself because maybe you're afraid someone else will call you old or thinking about you. You're not old in the negative sense and there's still a lot of really cool stuff about you. I may not be old, but I have lived a while. Here's a bunch of quirky moments from my life that randomly popped in my head the closer I got to becoming 34. Maybe you've heard some of them before, maybe you haven't, but you're listening because you love me or you wanna try to love me. So just love me and listen. Growing up, my parents had a heart-shaped bed. No one is surprised about that. So when I was about four to six years old, I would throw all my dolls on this bed, and then I would throw a comforter over all of us, and then I would slither through the bed talking to every single one of my dolls, asking them if they were having fun at my party. My 11th birthday caused quite a ruckus in the sixth grade community. My parents hired a DJ for my birthday party. He was a DJ, ironically, by the name of DJ Rock. This was also a time when grinding was becoming really popular. As DJ Rock played all the hits of that time period and a bunch of 10 and 11 year olds danced on my parents' deck, Mark M grinded with Yvette T. But Mark M was dating Karen A. And Karen A was not there, but she found out about it and broke up with him on Monday. The party was the talk of sixth grade all week vis-a-vis a smash. Also in the sixth grade, this girl named Gina said, quote unquote, your jokes aren't funny either, Raquel. After I told her friend he should stick to social studies, noticing at a young age, comedy wouldn't be his strong suit. Now I have the 74th highest ranked comedy interview podcast according to Apple Podcasts in Ghana, bitch. Not funny, my ass. When I auditioned for Grease freshman year in high school, my 16 bars were from the musical The King and I, specifically the song Shall We Dance. I forgot the words once, then I forgot them a second time, then I forgot them a third time during the audition because I was so nervous, so they asked me to sing next to the piano because they, well, they felt bad for me. I had to read the words off the sheet music on the piano. Needless to say, I'd been humbled that day. I was wearing a short white skirt in high school with plastic pink open-toed heels meant for a life-size Barbie. The back of my skirt read, Save the drama for your mama. A group of unevolved, uh, how do you say, bitches walked past me and coughed, (coughs) whore, and giggled as they walked by. But in their defense, they were walking towards me and the message was on my ass. In the fourth grade, I sold bootleg Usher Raymond and Savage Garden tapes to my classmates. In high school, I had sex in the black box theater in periods when it was empty. Not once, but twice. Venice! And the summer before ninth grade, despite his best efforts, I wasn't emotionally mature to be Frank's girlfriend. Looking back on that, I realize it now. But I think we would have made a good couple had the circumstances been different. Frank, I hope you're good now. And you listening? I hope you're good. Cheers to a new chapter, everybody. It's time! Time for 
Welcome to the Rocky Rundown, where you get to learn a little bit about my week. Party God Squad, hello. Did you have a good week? I sure hope so. In honor of my birthday last night, I hosted an epically wild party at my house. But we're not going to get to that just yet. We got to start at the top. I was treated very nicely on this being my birthday week by my loved ones. On Wednesday, my brother took me out to a dinner at Queen's Yard in Hudson Yards. Me, him, and Kaylee dressed to the nines. We had a view of the vessel and the Hudson River, and the whole thing was just a beautiful surprise to me. But here's where it gets weird. You see, I always pictured myself enjoying a meal at this restaurant, but I never mentioned that to anyone. It was just a daydream of mine. My brother was not privy to this information. This one time I was at Hudson Yards Mall and I used this restaurant that we happened to go to's bathroom and I thought, damn, I'd really like to come and eat here. It's so fancy. Ever since that day, I would think about it randomly once a month. The food at Queen's Yard was great and the company was even better. On Thursday, John and Jose treated me to the Jesse J concert at Le Poisson Rouge. Listen, I knew she was a great singer, but I was unfamiliar with her song catalog. At this concert, everything was acoustic, and she brought down the house. And she was really funny. Really funny. In between each song, it was like she was doing a stand-up set. She also had a whole song dedicated to affirmations. I was at a low point in my life once, and I wrote out custom affirmations that I'd say every night before bed. And gosh darn it, the little suckers worked. They did wonders for my mental health. I stopped, eventually, because now when I see my reflection, I say things like, I love you, bitch, and we got this, Rock. Maybe I should up the ante. There are women like Jessie J, who is also 34, and she spent her Thursday living her dream out in New York City. Jennifer Lopez, who is simply thriving. Oprah, these are countless women who do affirmations, and they've risen to the top. I'm going to start doing them again. Consider me influenced by Jessie J. Try it too and let me know what happens. One of the bartenders at the Jesse J concert looked so familiar. I walked over to John and I said, that girl looks so familiar. When we were at the bar closing out, she goes to me. I don't even say it to her. She said it to me. Hey, you look so familiar. Turns out she lived in the same building as two of my closest friends for four years. We never talked, no insta muches, just clocked each other and shuffled it away for this moment probably i don't know man life is weird after jesse J, we hit up the illustrious Minetta tavern we became fast friends with other patrons shout out to nicole and her husband who live in charleston new york city is the alma mater of their life and they were having just the best time with their besties so the vibes were up as the clock hit midnight i went real hard that night Unfortunately, on my actual birthday, I was hurting. I stayed horizontal until it was time for me to get into the city for my improv show that night. Perfect way to spend a birthday, making people laugh. If you can make people laugh, you can make people feel. It's none of your business what they feel when they laugh, just that you reminded them that they're here. Saturday was party time. I was up at 7 a.m. to start to get things ready for the festivities, and I will tell you that I was then up till 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. That's right, I stayed up for 23 hours straight. Me and my good friend Scott, we enjoy sharing our birthday parties. We have lots of mutual friends, and we did it in the park two years running, and we had food, music, signature cocktails by the name of The Great Scott and The Rocky Balboa Knockout Punch. 
We were so lucky we had friends come from all over to shower us with love and warmth and the weather was great and everyone was pacing themselves real nicely throughout the day. Because then I hosted an after party at my house. Holy mackerel, the shit was fire. On this day, I received not one, but two paintings. One for my eight-month-old nephew, Sam. It was a finger portrait painting that he made himself with all of my favorite colors. The other was from my friend Asher, who painted me not only a painting of Jay-Z with a Will Smith quote under it, which was from an inside joke of ours before the slap. It was, quite frankly, a thoughtful and kind gift. So thank you so, so much, Asher. When we got back to the house, there were pizzas waiting. Thank you, John Boy, for having those on deck. And most importantly, everyone was giving off great energy and having a good time. There's a lot of exclusive content that went down there, okay? There were shots, there were party favors, there were whisperings, there was canoodling. Everything that you could imagine to make a party wild, it was there. Before things wrapped up around 6 a.m., one of my girlfriends partied so hard that she was feeling a little queasy. A lot queasy, even. And listen, sometimes you just gotta take care of that and listen to your body. You gotta do what's best for you at the end of a party. And she was so positive throughout the whole experience with her boyfriend by her side. He joined her in the bathroom to help with the exorcism. And all of a sudden, we looked up because we heard music playing. We hadn't been listening to music for about 30 minutes, so this was weird. As she was puking in my bathroom, he was blasting rage against the machine. Hmm, I never thought about exercising the demons behind a sick beat. This is the company I am proud to keep. The real deal party gods. A lot of people who were following along with me on Instagram this week were confused about when my actual birthday was because it was a multi-day celebration. It just worked out that way due to the kindness of my loved ones because I was only planning to celebrate one day. But listen, everybody, take a few days to celebrate your birthday if you want. Celebrate yourself while you're goddamn alive. The same haters that are pissed that you're celebrating your birthday multiple days in a row. Those will be the first people scrambling to post a fake-ass picture of you two when you die. Listen to me. It's a big fucking deal to be alive. So celebrate people, celebrate yourself while you're here and they're here. You make a big deal about death, but make a big deal about life too. Those who mind celebrating you don't matter. And those who matter don't mind. Thank you for the thoughtful gifts, for your time, for your energy from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for celebrating me while I'm here. Speaking of celebrating, I have two friends I want to celebrate. If you are in Brooklyn, New York this Saturday, friend of the pod Megan O'Malley is recording a live version of her comedy album, Finding the Positive, at 7.30 and 9.30 at Super Secret Arts in Gowanus, Brooklyn. Find tickets on Instagram at Super Secret Arts and support my super funny friend in person if you're so inclined. This week also marks the 100th episode of Corey Has a Podcast, hosted by comedian Corey Easley, friend of the pod. His show is bite-sized, it's hilarious, it's real, it's raw, it's authentic, and if you like Wild Nights, you'll really, really enjoy Corey Has a Podcast. So give him a listen, and congratulations, Corey. It is not easy to do 100 episodes of a podcast, I'm sure. So let's cheers to 100 more, shall we? That brings us to Rocky's Highest Thoughts, my most stoned thoughts of the week. Number one, I can't wait to meet Trevor Noah. Number two, Polly Shore liked one of my tweets about him. Number three, I went to the grocery store high, and this guy brought his dog. 
I was behind them, and as the dog approached the automatic door, he freaked out. He didn't want to go in the store. I trust dogs because they know energy, and this dog was picking up on some bad energy in the grocery store. Number four, who decided your license should expire on your birthday? And number five, do you have a non-toxic friend from the past that you've drifted apart from because of location or a circumstance? Do you miss that friend? Text them or DM them right now that you miss them. I guarantee they'll be happy to hear from you, and I guarantee you some of them might need it. My guest this week is comedian Vaughn Michael. Vaughn's wild word was unforgettable, and much like this unforgettable week I had, Vaughn's story is unforgettable. You can't even begin to imagine. If you haven't done so already, please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Wild Nights with Rocky, on Twitter at Wild Nights Pod. If you want to watch extended interviews with all of my guests, please subscribe to me on YouTube. If you want to support the show with your wallet so I can bring you bigger and better content, please become a Patreon subscriber now. You can subscribe for $2 a month or $5 a month. A big thank you to everyone who's written a review on Apple Podcasts and a future thank you to all of you who are going to write one after this episode. It really does make a difference. And now, please enjoy my Wild Nights conversation with Vaughn Michael. Vaughn, welcome! Thank you for doing the podcast! Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be doing this. I am so excited to have you. There's so much that I like about your comedy, and uh, I'm just excited to get to know you as a person. You have come from D.C. and moved to New York. Are you still in New York now? I I was in D.C., New York, and now I am actually back in D.C. Back in D.C. Now, was that, uh, were you like, I got to get out of New York, or did you just want to go back to D.C.? What happened? Why'd you leave us? I mean, I just became homeless in New York. Okay, that'll do it. I needed somewhere to live. Yeah. (laughs) So I went back in D.C. It's good timing, too, because Eric Adams, is he's scooping up tents. He's scooping up tents. He is taking people's outdoor homes and making them trash homes. So the sensitivity level is at a zero. (laughs) Yes. Do you have a preference for one or the other? Do you like them both? I I like D.C. more. Um, I feel like I'm more at home. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it's less pressure. New York, it just feels like um, it's very fast paced. It's everybody's rude like there's still some southern hospitality in dc like we close to virginia so people are still kind of nice to you yeah southern hospitality i guess i didn't as being a northeastern woman myself i i guess i didn't realize how strong southern hospitality was i've been to florida a few times and i've been to new orleans i was telling you before we started recording i was there a Mm -hmm. couple weeks ago and the patience that the drivers in New Orleans have, they let each other go. Nobody's honking. There was an Uber driver that held up traffic. There was no stop sign or stoplight. And she was picking a friend of me up. She Mm -hmm. stayed at the corner and there was a line of cars behind her. Nobody said anything. Everybody just let her do her thing. And I, I, the patience level is, uh, I guess you could say unforgettable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <there we> go. <laughs> so Vaughn's wild word 
was unforgettable. Please take us into your wild night story. I'm dying to hear it. Party God Squad is dying to hear it. Let's do it. Oh man, this night was a, a night of I had a show. I had a show. It was the first time my dad was actually going to come out to a show. First of all, it was a show in a bad neighborhood. Shows in bad neighborhoods usually start late. But my dad, he's probably military. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes to get everywhere early. So yeah. shows go start at seven. We there two o'clock, y'all. Like just <laughs> sitting outside, just waiting. No you have reason. lawn chairs outside <laughs> reading. <laughs> yeah. And so we do that, and then you know the show is ten o'clock. The show hasn't started yet. My dad, he getting mad. My dad, you know, he has PTSD, uh-huh. frustrated. I was like, I'm gonna call over the host. I'm gonna figure it out. Call the host over. I was like, hey man, you know, it's like three hours late. When you think the show gonna start? Host was kind of aggressive. He's like, the show gonna start when I say it starts. Yes. I'm like, okay, cool. I was expecting this. My dad ain't like his response. He started yelling at him. He's like, man, who you talking to like that? You Is know, your dad a big like, guy? Yeah, my dad's a real big guy. Mm-hmm. Like my dad used to play football for Virginia Tech. Okay. Um, and um, he was a lineman too. So like. He was big. He's right. big. So my dad actually said, he was like, who the fuck are you talking to? Mm-hmm. And this dude didn't say nothing. He just punched my dad in the <gasps> face. And my dad fell flat on the ground right beside me, right? I looked over at my dad and I just saw him knocked out. And then I had sat down and ate my french fries. I was just like, my dad taught me how to fight. And I was like, I'm not about to get my ass whooped by the same dude that whooped his ass. Because I was yeah. like, there's no need for that. So... <laughs> Not tonight. I got a show to do. Not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The show then starts, it'll start at midnight. The first act I got on stage was a variety show, right? Well, just a hold the show, phone. I need you okay. to hold the phone. So your mm-hmm. dad gets knocked out. He gets punched in front of you. You go back to yeah. eating your fries. All that I'm comprehending. What is the conversation immediately after the punch? Were there oh, other relatives? He didn't address it at all. Were there other relatives there? Other friends with you? Oh, yeah. My friend Tori was there, too. We just act like it didn't happen. Like, we just... And your dad was like, it's all right. I'm good. Shake it off. Yeah. Like, it just... (laughs) He just sat down because those are beautiful berries. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, everyone, no one acknowledged it. You said you taught me how to fight. So, if you couldn't handle this situation, (laughs) I'm not going to be able to handle it. Let's go back to these french fries. Right. Tori's got his head down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another two hours go past. I was supposed to go up second. First act they got on stage were rappers, right? And these rappers, you know, it was on stage. They they were doing like real crime music, gangster rap. There's no gangster, gangster rap. Okay. They're talking about the thugs that kill people and stuff like that. I decided when I got after them, I was going to make jokes about them and stuff like that. Because because I was making fun of them when I got on stage. So I was like, yo, they got on Hello Kitty t-shirts. I was mm-hmm. like, what are they talking about being thugs? The rappers were in the crowd as I was saying that. And they pulled out guns on me while I'm on stage. Okay, so they're sensitive. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> it was like, sensitive oh thugs, God. we all need love. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm on stage and they was just like, who the punk now? You know? And the whole crowd gets quiet. Everyone's Myself. eating their french fries. <laughs> 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 my cell phone starts to buzz. It's a text message from my dad saying, I'm praying for you, son. <laughs> 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 I'm eating some of your fries. Rest in peace. <laughs> so, oh my god! And he's in the third row, looking up at you, dipping the fries in the ketchup. Prayer emoji hands. 
<laughs> I was like, karma. Karma yeah. came back fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was scared and nervous. What I did, I just looked at the crowd. I was like, you know what? Y'all have a good night. And I walked off stage. Had anything friends. this scary ever happened to you? The only thing that's ever happened this scary at a show, um, I made a mistake of making a joke about gout. It just happened to do, I was doing a show for senior citizens. And that's <laughs> you know like a audience. trigger word for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a dude that was about to come on stage and kick me with his gout foot. Like okay. that was like one <laughs> that was of the scary. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So you, you've made enemies with the senior citizen crowd. You've made enemies with the Hello Kitty fans. And so now you calmly say you're able to collect yourself. You're able to say, everyone have a good night. I don't want any trouble thing. And you get off stage. Yeah, get off stage. And um, my friend Tori, who's a comedian, who lives in New York now, matter of fact, he, I went up to him. I was like, because he was supposed to go up next. I'm like, oh, bro, you ready to get on stage? He was like, man, I had crossed my name off the list when your dad got punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow. I guess we leave it then. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Me, Tori, and my dad were leaving this show. We were ready to go home. We're walking towards the car in the parking lot. And we're thinking everything's fine, right? And then all of a sudden, we started to notice that some rappers who had them Hello Kitty t-shirts are walking towards us. Excellent. We're getting, <laughs> we getting nervous because they have guns. We decide that we're going to reach in our pockets to see if we got any weapons to defend ourselves. I reached in my pocket. All I had was some pistachios. <laughs> I looked at <laughs> I looked to see if Tori had a weapon. He just had tears coming down his face. Poor Tori. And I, I looked to see if my dad had a weapon. My dad was in the car with the door locked. No. I'm like, yo, dad, you ain't gonna help us. He rolled down his window. It <laughs> was like, don't call me dad in public. Call me Uber driver. <laughs> and he rolled his window up. Call me Uber driver. <laughs> I am scared. I'm getting anxiety from the situation. Of and course. Like, I'm overthinking. I start picturing in my head how it was going to go down. I was like, man, one of these rappers will come up, pistol with me. I'm going to throw my pistachios at him mm-hmm. and um, pray he's allergic. And, uh, <laughs> I'm allergic to almonds, bitch. <laughs> Get these pistachios out my face. <laughs> you know, it's the whole crazy part. This is the whole crazy part. He came outside to actually apologize. Oh, okay. He was like, when I left, they had told him I was a comedian and he didn't know that I was up there making jokes. He thought I was being rude. And he offered me to go back in there and tell my jokes and he bought me a drink. Wow. And um, yeah, I did. And the moral of the story is just don't do shows in Richmond, Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, that was wild. Second of all, I'm glad you came out of that unscathed. Your dad seems like an extreme character. I love him. I love him. I love him. And Tori, I just want to hug. <laughs> I crossed my name off the list as soon as they punched your dad in the face. That's so funny to me. And I, I love that it came out and apologized. I am a little confused on how he didn't understand that you were a comedian. Maybe that was the first time they did a show, a combo variety show with rappers and uh, musical artists as well. So maybe that's why. Because otherwise, how do you not know that the man standing with the microphone cracking jokes about a Hello Kitty t-shirt is not the comedian? Um, but I'm glad he apologized. I get that a lot because I well, also I started to realize, too, is that um, he probably might have had his adrenaline going. Yeah. He might have been in his head with his whole thing. So he, he might not have processed the whole situation. 
Yeah, that's true too. And it, it was really, I, I love the way this story ended. I love that no one was hurt and that there was a friend made afterwards. Is this a rap group that's uh, successful now? Did they move forward with anything? Are they still in Richmond? I think they worked at Kmart. Okay. <laughs> you know what's so funny? It is so funny that you say that because I was going to say to you, so I've listened to your comedy. So I know that you used to work in retail as well. And I was going to bring up the fact, um, I don't want to spoil any of your jokes because everyone should listen to your comedy on, I listened to it on Spotify. I thought it was hysterical, okay. but I was going to bring up the fact that you used to work in retail. I used to work in retail too. And I used to work at Kmart and I thought oh. it was so funny that you said this was when I was in high school. I worked there for a long time. No big deal. They wanted me to be the jewelry supervisor uh, manager, mm. but uh, I moved to New York. They, uh, <laughs> they, they really liked my jewelry department moves. I remember there was one holiday season. I'm 16 or 17 working there, bone thin. I had this mm. red hoodie that was too big for me. Like I looked like a Santa Claus elf reject and they <laughs> had me at the door crossing receipts to make sure I'm matching people's carts like I was security. And you you talk about how, you know, they expect retail workers to be these security guards and it's not the case. Yes, that was oh man. Yeah, I remember that working, working at Walmart because people still all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I try. I, <laughs> I try to stop somebody. And um, so they pulled out a gun. And then that's when I was realized, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to being a cashier. Yeah, like I am. Yeah, it's not that's not for me. No, no, absolutely not. That DVD of dodgeball that they're trying to make out with <laughs> is yeah. not worth losing your life over. Now, you see that video, matter of fact, where somebody had, um, was it a Jimmy John? He was getting robbed and the guy was just like, give me the money. He just handed him all everything in the, in the cashier. Like he just, just no, gave them. I didn't see that, but I believe it. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's not, what are you going to be a hero for a franchise? Get out of here. Right. It's um, but that was that was really funny to me. I related to that because I just remember thinking how in all of all the people in the store, I was the smallest one. I have this no. oversized hoodie on and you want me to be security. I'm letting them go. They're getting they're getting out with the merchandise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, Yeah, it's too much. I was getting paid minimum wage. So it was uh -huh. like it was no way I was risking my life over that. No. Like my family's not getting anything. From, yeah. From this. No, 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 no. There's no. And they want you to, you know, that's American society, though. They keep you in this rat race thinking like if you look out for corporations, corporations will look out for you. But mm -hmm. wake up, people. That's not how it goes. That's not how it goes. So I also want to wish you because I've learned a little bit about you again from listening to your comedy. I wanted to wish you a happy 420. Uh, I'm, I thank are, you, but I, are you off the I, wagon or on the wagon I, of the no weed wagon? I actually want to let you know, I've actually been sober for two years now. Okay, well, happy sober. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, happy used to celebrate for 2020. <laughs> I did. I, and now that you say that, I forgot all about that because I actually about to drop another album. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it actually talks about yeah, going into sobriety and everything. I, yeah, I used to be smoke a lot of weed, but now, um, I'm sober. I started being sober at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, what a and, time to um, choose. That's wild. I know. Right. Right before this, all the stress came. I yes. was just like, <laughs> so I had to learn how to deal with all my emotions being sober. Like that was that was like a, a, a tough thing. Um, how to process things and maybe not want to deal with certain things. Of it was course. like learn how to be a person again. Yeah. Yeah. And did you find that it was at first 
easier to write your comedy or did you find that it was harder doing it through sobriety? Uh, well, to just write, I feel like it was harder uh-huh. um, because I just was dealing with this stress. It's harder from that aspect, but once I got was able to learn how to process emotions, it mm-hmm. became easier. Gotcha. Um, when I started comedy, I used to drink. My thing was, I'm a drink right before I get on stage. Yeah. And then I had one day I did like look back and I was like, I get on stage six nights a week. And I was like, dang, I'm an alcoholic. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then I was drinking. I think I first quit drinking first, and then I quit smoking. And I didn't think I was never gonna be able to quit smoking weed. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it. I have to say, and I'm not trying to <laughs> preach to anybody because you know, I talk about this stuff. People. No, please say what you have to say. People um, will take it however they want to take it. Don't you worry about that. It's one of the best things ever. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest with you, I really. And like even now, in my two years, I'm starting to process things that I was dealing with two years ago. It's just yeah. like, especially like after we do shows and stuff, like I'd have a show, I like to go vegetate, deal with stuff, relax, be in a, you know, my Escape mind. Escape a bit. Yeah, and get over it. And like, yeah, and process things. But I never really processed things when I was drunk and high. That, mm-hmm. That's the big thing. Well, that's a huge accomplishment in itself to get through that quarantine without drugs or alcohol because I'll tell you one thing I felt I like I drank a lot before the pandemic when I went into lockdown I'm not really a home drinker I don't love doing that maybe once in a while but it's not really my vibe but weed I I definitely leaned way more into weed during the pandemic I always was a weed smoker for a long time but that was where I kind of was like oh this feels better for me but to even think about the things that I process through marijuana I can't imagine what that would be like to process without. That's not somewhere I'm trying to go just yet, but I imagine it's extremely powerful to have the power to do that in your mind and and go through it without. So that's my hats off to you on this. For, on you. 420, we celebrate uh, ex-weed smokers and weed smokers alike. That's how we do it. That's the Snoop Dogg way. Yeah. That's the Snoop Dogg way. So also, I, I want to know how long have you been doing comedy? Because I heard you say that you were relatively new to comedy and relatively new can mean anything that could mean five years, 10 years, five months, which I know is not five months, but what is relatively new to you? Uh, I think I'm at about six and a half years now. Okay. Okay. What's the Um, biggest lesson that you've learned so far? It's self-care when Mm -hmm. you're going through, through this. I was so like, and I just learned it this year. I had a comedian. I actually had a friend tell me like practice self-care. Now, once a month, I take a whole week off. Wow. I focus on just relaxing, going make sure I get my doctor visits in, my therapy, barbershop, taking care of myself, doing things yes. for myself. Because you get so focused, you be the, the pandemic. You know it's so crazy because it used to be before the pandemic it was like grind six, seven nights a week. I'd be mm-hmm. on tour every weekend. When a pandemic had happened, when you had all that time by yourself and like all the thoughts at first, it was scary. Cause it was just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not doing something. Like I'm used to just being busy, 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 right, busy. Right. And then it was just like, sit down for a second. I was kind of scared. I felt like I was losing stuff. But I realized on the pandemic, the more I sat down, I felt like the more that I could, um, the more that I would accomplish things. I realized I was just focused on being busy rather than being productive. Gotcha. It so, was quantity over quality for you. Right. And so now when the stand-up started back up, I felt myself getting back into that rotation of trying to be busy, busy, busy. And I didn't even realize it. And so now it's like, you, you know, making sure I take that week off, 
what are my goals, having personal goals outside of comedy, and realizing that comedy isn't everything. And I mm-hmm. hate to say this, <laughs> like it might sound negative, but it's he's like, like, weed I, is not everything. <laughs> comedy is not everything. Pistachios yeah. are where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the point now, it's like, I want to have a life. I want to get married one day. Kids, you know, start thinking, you know, make time for yourself. Right. Finding the balance between doing what you love and living a life that you love as well. Right. That's awesome. Now, where can everybody find you, follow you, get your name out there um, so people can see what's going on with Vaughn? VaughnMichael.com, spelled V-O-N-M-Y-C-H-A-E-L. That has everything. I'm on all Mm -hmm. platforms. I'm working on a sketch show um, now. We're working to get that on like Amazon Prime and Tubi. Um, We should have that out by this summer. Oh, that's um, so, that's so the, exciting. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're working on that. And I'm working on my second album. I recorded that in February. So that should be out this summer as well. So those oh, two big projects that. that I have coming out. That's amazing, Vaughn. Well, I look forward to both of those things. I look forward to keeping up with you. And hopefully one of these days, I will see you back in NYC. Yeah, one day. I'm not going to promise you that. But one day. No promises. <laughs> but even if it's a passing through, if even if you're doing okay. a show... But if I don't see you in NYC, I will be listening and laughing. One thing I want to tell everybody who may or may not have heard Bond's comedy, the thing I love most about it is the constant surprise. Now, comedy, we know, you know, as comedians, you know, one of the the best things about comedy, one of the richest things about comedy is uh, the art of mastering surprise and jokes and sketches and movies, whatever. That's where the belly laughs come from. And Vaughn, I have to say your comedy, you'll hit us with the surprise. I didn't see that coming. And then you you double down and then you hit us with another surprise. I didn't see that coming. And then you'll hit us wow. with the third I, surprise. I didn't see that coming. I, I love your jokes for that. So I really, really look forward to your next album um because i know it'll be full of surprises thank you i really appreciate that I, i'm glad you actually listen wow like of course I, I don't even know how to um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm bad at giving compliments I'm bad. yeah no just all you have to do right now is take the compliments that's it okay, just, just grab it and take the compliments because yeah that that i was like man this guy is just you'll say something and then you weren't, weren't i wasn't expecting that i wasn't expecting that i i love being surprised by jokes and your jokes surprised me a lot i used to um a long time ago I used to work at a stand-up comedy club as a cocktail waitress so I would be in and out of the rooms constantly constantly and eventually when I would watch some stand-ups I would be able to predict the jokes that they would say so I love it becomes you know it's formulaic and I loved mm-hmm. listening to you because I I couldn't predict the next thing that you were going to say at all and it, it was such a joy so follow Vaughn See what he's got coming next. Of course, see what he's got coming next. And I really appreciate you doing the show, Vaughn. This was an excellent story and an excellent conversation. I had a lot of fun and um, keep building, keep growing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon, okay? All right. Bye.